For me, it's not a brain fart. It's literally 7,000 animals, 500 oceans singing your oceans. Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Ain't Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, formerly known as Sammy MUA. And uh, yeah, I'm here with my friend, T. Hey, T. Hey, Sammy. How's it going? Good, good. Low-key nerves. <laughs> That's a quick question. What inspired the name of the podcast? Uh, so I'm not going to lie. Um, I've taken a little break outside of socials. We'll get into that deeper into the podcast. Um, but, you know, during my time in lockdown, kind of taking a break away from everything and seeing what the world for what it really is. Uh, dark and boring. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we don't filter stuff on here, so we're allowed to say that. <laughs> no, like, honestly. And it just, it just came with that. And just being on social media, uh, coming off from a big, platform and it's just when you look at it like social media ain't shit man and it just came from there it just rolled on from there it just snowballed and that was it because before actually i was going to name the podcast pink tea see when i heard the name i thought oh she's she's putting my name in it like <laughs> and then i realized how she spelt tea and i was like no i'm not i'm not in yeah, it. it's the actual drink it's not tw so that was my that was my ego bubble burst within 30 seconds so brought me right back to her do you know <laughs> what i'm gonna i'm gonna name a t-shirt after you do you get it? T-shirt. It's going to be a T-shirt. Oh, God. I'm the one that's meant oh. to be doing the bad jokes. <laughs> that's 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 my thing. And we're going to hear a lot of them throughout the podcast as well. Listen, I'd like to tell, I'd like to tell all my family that I want to be a comedian sometimes. And I've actually, you know, been talking about doing stand-up with a couple of friends so everyone can hear my bad jokes. So now that everyone's heard this on the first episode, <laughs> and this is if this gets cut out, I will fight for this to be on there. Because if, if, if Sammy's doing uh, stand-up comedy, everyone's going to have to be there. I think my comedy is a bit macabre. That's the problem. Like. Oh, that works in today's society. <laughs> we're gonna we'll, we'll get right into the intro because I think yeah. everyone's everyone's been asking you for God knows how. So when you can do a podcast? Where's your podcast? When are you can do the podcast? You know, just the other day when I was just doing Instagram live, um, somebody asked me like, "When are you gonna do this? When are you gonna do a podcast? I think you should redo really a podcast. You're, I think you'd be great doing a podcast." So yeah, guys, here I am. I listened. I came through. With this ain't shit podcast. <laughs> and, and and if if it gets as successful as it is, none of you lot better start saying, oh, that was my idea. Like, this has been in the works for how long? Uh, to be honest, when did I first mention to you about Pink Tea? <laughs> uh, for maybe like two years two ago, years 2018. Ago. 2018. 2018, yeah. 2018, we just, it just came out. It's like, want to do a podcast, want to mm. kind of get everyone involved in it. And the idea was there. Yeah, the follow through, not so much. <laughs> I mean, 2018 was a funny year. 2019 was even more stranger for me. Um, just so many changes in life, you know. And in 2020, you know, you didn't bless us with anything better. <laughs> well, well uh, what a natural segue that is. Let's talk about 2020. Let's talk about COVID. Let's get that out of the way because there's an elephant in the room that we need to address. Like, what, what is, what's COVID lockdown been like for you? I listen, it's been crazy, man. Being back at home, like, because the thing is, so I had moved out last year. Um, like mid 2019 around May but I'd planned to move out in 2018 November but the process of moving you know how it is finding a place in London everything's so goddamn expensive anyway 2019 there was a lot going on mm. it was a lot going because I remember we we kind of we fleeted in out of contact that whole year you yeah because I know was... 2018 was quite rough for yourself yeah, 2018 was a rough year for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we'll get more about that into the podcast as well. But I think 2018 was kind of like, I think where I kind of picked things up in 2019, it was kind of like what I left behind. It was it kind of felt as though you were picking the remnants of that up. Because mm. there was a lot of like, what you were going through last year was what I went through the year before. You know what? I just realized maybe we should tell everyone how we know each other. Me and Sammy, as many people may know about, well, they probably don't know much about me, but you know, um, 
me and Sammy would frequent uh, a little old, lovely, reminiscing spot of back in the days called Leb Cap, where we used to smoke shisha. Yes, good old days of good old shisha. Days. And we had a nice little like, family community there. We knew everybody through somebody else. And um, me and Sammy got talking to each other just through books. Yeah, originally it was just through books. Like we, uh, I'd see you at the cafe uh, sitting, usually just by yourself, reading your books on your laptop, watching something, working on something, writing, you know, doing your thing, doing tea things. And uh, yeah, we got talking over books. When we first started talking, I was reading uh, a Sherlock Holmes, A Study in Scarlet. Yes, and there was another book you read. Why can't I remember the name? The... Oh, I was pop- oh, Neverwhere, the Neverwhere. comic book. And there was a, I think it was The Book Thief. No, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I don't like that book. But we were talking about, I remember that, that was one of the conversations. Yeah, I was I given remember. it by somebody yeah, and yeah. I just couldn't get into it. But mm. yeah, it was, books were a doorway. And then yeah. from there, it just became, you know, conversations about everything in between. And I think we spent four hours one one evening just talking about astral projecting. Yes, yes, yes. Good old astral projecting, which yeah. we would definitely be talking about at some point. Absolutely. Like everything and anything goes on this podcast. Yeah, we're, um, it's, no, it's no holes bored. No, uh, yeah, yeah, no holes yeah. bored. It's a nice little wrestling reference there as well. Well done. Come on. Well done. But I feel like our friendship our friendship has blossomed out of friendship and oh, yeah, into yeah. like it's more like family like of course I look it at is. you like yeah. like yeah, when things are going shit, it's uh, <laughs> we got the phone and talk to you. <laughs> well, speaking of that, it was a phone call just before this podcast today was I was coming home from central London and I get a phone call from Sammy. I was like, okay, I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, why are you nervous? I'm just I was like, but it's just us talking. And I feel that we've got that with each other is that whole thing of, and I think that's why having this first episode for you is probably going to be good because it's just a conversation. Being at home again, moving back in after moving out. Yeah. Um, because I just moved back in November, but my parents were still traveling. Yeah. So my parents hadn't really come home till about February. February, even probably later than that, to be fair. So I was just used to being with the boys. Right. And then, yeah, lockdown happened. And lockdown happened and, and, and you know, my parents, bless them, they're, they're amazing. But, you know, as, as they get older and they age, uh, it's either I'm losing patience or, you know, who can you blame, really? Everyone's aging and everyone. Of course. And then when you're in that house together and... Yeah, living out from being away from my parents, me and my dad, how our relationship had drifted a little bit because I was busy working. And I'd, so living with him full time again yeah. was just so yeah, strange. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean? It was so strange. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, no. I don't know if I missed this, but hey. <laughs> but you said something quite poignant yesterday when we were we were driving back and it was it was quite beautiful because you said, I learned to appreciate them and they learned to appreciate me. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of putting it because when... Especially in, in, you know, Mm. like Asian culture, when a child moves out, it's either I've not been accepted by my family or I've been kicked out. But it's never a mutual thing of like, I I need my own space. But you came back and it was like there was there were things that they were doing that you appreciate. And I think there were things that you brought back home that they appreciate. Definitely. And that's the bit that I feel never gets spoken about because everyone always looks at moving out as such a a taboo thing i think in our culture we don't we don't really do it and when kids do do it it's really hush hush no one really knows or it's part of a wedding process yeah, yeah. you know you know always you know say the cliche or how they're having a baby and no one knows about it or yeah. she got married and no one knows yeah, about yeah, it yeah. Or the secret nikah that happened yeah, yeah, that no absolutely. one knows about and i think that was the funniest thing because yeah you know being brown rumors circulate like crazy and uh, but yeah, I moved out because I just needed some space yeah. from my fam, and and they really appreciated that, and it was a step for my mental health to see if I could uh, do living out. And I think people found it really strange, like why would you do that? But it's just like for me, it was the right thing to do. 
at oh. that time in my life. I think I really wanted to experience having freedom um, and knowing where I'm at with everything. And coming home, it's like literally doing full circle. Yeah. I, when I moved out, it's like I could barely stand being at home. And now that I've come home, now even through lockdown, and like I was saying to you yesterday, it's just learning to appreciate them and respecting who they are as people and understanding boundaries within each other and literally just humanizing the relationship yeah. between parents. I feel like in Asian culture, um, the relationship is very first and second. Parents come first, kids come second, you serve your parents. Yeah. And and it was like that for some time at home. For me, especially being a girl, you know, you're expected. There's a lot. And even if my parents didn't verbally say it, it's a cultural pressure as well. Yeah. It's an unsaid kind of pressure. But yeah, man, and, and coming to the kind of, I don't know, the, if we're at the end, beginning or second lockdown, wherever we're at right now, coming full circle with the first part yeah. of lockdown. I, yeah. Uh, my parents are great. And I really appreciate them. Um, Let's be honest. The main reason you moved home. Mm-hmm. And we won't skip over this with Wilson. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen, Wilson is my life and soul. Uh, listeners, Wilson is my five-year-old, half pug, half Yorkshire Terrier, bundle of joy, fluffy baby, Wilson the baby dog. He is the greatest thing since sliced bread, even though he drives me crazy. But I was waiting for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> me and Wilson, we'd be beeping sometimes, you know. He's got such a moody, moody persona. He doesn't like everyone. I wonder where he gets that from. Sounds like someone <laughs> I know. No, you know what? I, come on, you got to take that back. I'm actually really nice. You right? are. No, no. Sam, Sam, Sammy gets, she gets labelled with that because of, she She knows her circle of friends. Yeah. Right? And I think Wilson kind of was like, I, I see that. That's a smart move. <laughs> like you pick and choose who you want to hang with then it's it's smart enough and it works. But, Wilson is choosy. <laughs> but, but Wilson gets away with it. I mean, uh, yeah, even no, even you know he gets away with it. He does, man. My parents have spoiled him, man. When I moved out that during that time, shit, man, they really spoiled him. Yeah, because you weren't around. Literally. You know, like how great when you hear about grandparents um, treating their grandchildren better than they treated their kids. Yeah, it's literally, I saw it, but with a dog. But I think lockdown itself, as as you said, alluding to like we could be part of part two coming up. We're mm. not sure. There's all everything's up in the air. So we don't know where we are. But I think lockdown for me was interesting because it was just one of those things where it was like, right, instantaneous. Like it was said on a Friday and by, you know, Saturday, Sunday, mm. you weren't going anywhere. You were stuck at home. Yeah. Lockdown really. It changes you. Ch- huh? It changes you. It changes you, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. How was it for you though? How was it being at home with mom and everyone? I think it was it was kind of all right. Like obviously with it just being us three, mom worked because she's uh, an essential worker, frontline worker. So yeah. respect to all the nurses, doctors, yes. delivery people. Shout out to fast. the NHS. Everyone that was like a what was it a key worker, a key worker. Yes. That's the word. Uh, yeah, so mom was there, mm-hmm. like you know, every day. Walkos doing her shift. Um, it, for mom, it was weird. Like yeah. she was like, I don't get it. Yeah, understand. But again, like I don't think even we did. Like nobody, we've mm. never had to do anything like this. Yeah, there's never been a pandemic this huge. Um, I, I promise this won't be a COVID podcast. I like, will talk shit about COVID now just to get it out of the way. But there is now, more we, substance. To we have stuff. to we have to address the elephant in the room, isn't it? which is which was COVID. Yeah, every because, conversation you have with anybody now. Days. Yeah, it's hey, how was lockdown for you, man? You know, which is which is great actually. I feel like lockdown has has got people talking about their feelings a little bit more. And you kind of realize how people stayed sane during lockdown as well. What's I, one of the things you did to keep sane? Oh, I start. I kept training. Yeah. I, that my my I I'm quite lucky. Me, my sister is a an avid fitness. Uh, I don't want to say fanatic, but she likes training. Yeah. 
she's into health and fitness healthy living and you know we never had to worry about going to a gym because we've had weights at the back of the house mm-hmm. so it's quite lucky when we were laughing about um the g- all the weights being sold out on ebay and stuff we yeah. already had ours in you the guys back already so we'd stock- already stocked up but yeah, not like yeah. toilet roll wise we'd already stocked up on the weight uh so it was just doing that mm-hmm. and then potentially seeing if there was any vacancies outside of lockdown potentially because i was you know being out of work and everything so yeah. i think it was that it was reading more yeah you read uh, any, any any new book recommendations? Uh, Neil Gaiman's Fragile Things and How to Talk to Girl at Parties. It's a series of short stories. Oh, cool. You no, know me. I think Neil Gaiman's absolutely fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, what else did I read? I reread Catcher in the Rye. You know, I did the exact same thing. I think I posted it up on my Insta the other day. I read Catcher in the Rye again. It's a brilliant book. Um, classic. Uh, yeah, like Netflix and stuff like that was there, but it was mainly just training and reading because I kind of wanted to keep my mind a bit clearer. During lockdown, BLM movement really, really, really turned the volume up and everyone started paying attention with, you know, all the sad stuff that took place with you know George Floyd yep. and you know obviously Brianna Taylor mm-hmm. and like, all the doors that were open and Ahmaud Aubrey and all the doors that opened up with that you know and that was kind of like I think COVID was pushed to the back of everybody's minds at one point yep. when, when that started happening it was like there is stuff actually going on in the world and again I think we spoke about this and I'll talk about this later on but how that kind of affected people that I knew in and out of like you know uh, the black and African American communities as well yeah no it was uh, you know one thing I have to say about that time it was beautiful seeing how many people did come together and even going to the protests and everyone you know seeing on social media everyone coming together it was it was a really it's a really beautiful thing to see after so much um darkness with the whole covid thing you know yeah like yeah. even even yeah it's it was like everyone just let loose and and people that usually wouldn't say anything especially from the south asian community yeah you know especially from the arab community who, who i don't even hate to say it are a lot of them you know we come from parents grandparents that are racist you know it is a taboo it is a taboo thing to stand up for your black friends yeah. in an asian or Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Arab, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, household. Yeah. Some people might disagree, but that's how I grew up in the, in the area that I grew up. I noticed that. Yeah. Obviously, being Baluch, I've seen that out outright. But yeah, it was it was beautiful to see people actually coming together and speaking about it. My only issue, I think, with all of that is I hope it's long lasting. You know, I hope it's everlasting. I hope the conversations that people were having at this time with their families, you know, because there was a lot of vim online. Yeah. Let's let you know. Let's keep it real. I saw I saw a lot of people were posting in that. My only concern was I hope everything you're posting about and everything you were actually making active changes within your household, within your community. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Which I, you know, I can only hope and pray is, is really happening. I, I'll be honest with you. I lost a lot. Of, I lost quite. Yeah. It, it was. I think as it massively it was it was a learning opportunity for so many people, for so yeah. many different communities to understand what really is happening. Because I mean, the UK is. Is just as racist as anywhere else you know it happens here it happens across the yeah. globe in the middle east it's much worse you know just speaking lightly on on libya yeah. for example what's happening in libya oh, yeah. and and all these kind of countries but um the blm movement is something that means a lot to me and definitely i think in future podcasts something i would like i'd love to touch on more i feel like sometimes um it's something that's just hurtful sometimes i think when you when you think about it for me especially you know with my background and being yeah. baluch and having having um african heritage is really difficult sometimes the conversations to have you never know when you're saying the right or wrong thing yeah, yeah. and living and hanging in the balance you know yeah. i i even wrote an article which you helped me on during yeah. um during time in lockdown if you have if you guys haven't read it it's bad blood and it's on my instagram bio so we'll be putting wherever this kind of goes out you'll be able to see like you know all of i think you'll be posting this on your socials anyway so there'll yeah. be there'll be links to everything in everything that we're, that we're going to be posting so yeah i think that the article for me just having to read it as well again that was something i did not know and i spoke to you about this is just having that awareness of other cultures 
yeah, because growing up in school, I think a lot of people didn't know. You know, the, the article itself speaks about um, the racial denial within my my dad, his his siblings, my granddad. So if you if and when you do read the podcast, I mean the the article, <laughs> the article. When you read the article, you know a lot of people don't know that actually uh, my granddad, um, his mother, her mother. Was actually East African. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as you read it in the in the in the article. So a lot of people didn't know that about me because typically, I mean, I look pretty um, bog standard brown brown girl. You know, like I just and it's not something I ever really claimed. No, you didn't. You know, I never really claimed it. And I think growing up where we grew up, you know, and growing up in a predominantly Asian society, like community society, um, my parents just wanted me to blend in. I think. Yeah. They most importantly wanted me to blend in. And, and in the article, I talk about my dad and he really adopted the Pakistani culture because that's where he grew up. He grew up in Liari in Karachi. You know, big up all my Liariites. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it was crazy. I never really said it. And it was own, and I think I never really understood my heritage, really, until I got into high school. And when started, people started seeing my dad picking me up from school and I had a cousin that was also in my year. And my dad's older brother, like, he looks like Drake, you know, um, uh, Drake with a really big afro. <laughs> And, you know, actually, I, I visited my uncle, my dad's younger brother, the other day, who made a... Because we were talking about all this kind of stuff and yeah, race yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even the conversation I had with him, within the first 10 minutes, he was denying all his all his blackness. Within the first 10 minutes, he's like, no, 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 it wasn't. It was your mum's family. They, they've got they've got black. And it was like, anything associated with being black is just seen as seen yeah. as not undesirable, should yeah. I say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, that was just so funny. And then and then within when, when I kind of warmed him and I explained to him and I was like, no, you know, it's all right. Like, you know, it's all right, uncle. Let it go. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Because at that time in the 1970s in England, there was a limited amount of brown people. Most of them Indian and Pakistani. There was no such thing as Baluchis back yeah, then. Yeah, you tr- yeah. I assume there would be. It was like it's it. You know, it was a slow bloom, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, try not to give too much away on the article because we want people to read. Yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely it want is, you guys to read it. Take it for somebody who who knew nothing about like you know the Baluch uh, cultural community or anything like that. It makes you want to learn. Yeah, and it is. I, I'll sit here and I'll give. Uh, endless props to Samuel like the way it's written it's it's a story and it's a journey and it will take you through it and it's beautifully written um link's going to be you know it's probably going to be reappearing on your profile at some point you know uh, it's there in the bio on, it's already there in the bio yeah. so if you so i think there was something that you mentioned there and i think this was one of the talking points we wanted to get into was like you were, you were talking about um you know the article being like heavily involved from your dad's side of stuff yeah and I think one of the points that we were discussing about things we wanted to cover in this podcast was was mental health in general. But like yeah, we said, like this is going to be helpful for for mental health. Yeah. I think it's going to be, as you said, mental health across the board, and it's not going to be. It's not going to be like if if you've studied mental health, cool, mm-hmm. as we've kind of spoken about this. And when you study mental health, you'll get a a slice of the pie. Yeah, you know, because you know what it's like textually. As as I kind of say, you can't pass a driving test by just doing a theory mm-hmm. you've got to be actually in the driving seat yeah no i was speaking to one of my friends um t sharifa she's a writer she's absolutely amazing um we were just speaking, speaking about this recently like on instagram and especially on instagram we're more inclined to look at somebody who has a professional degree in something like psychology and take their opinion on board and you know i'm not saying that therapists and psychologists haven't had their fair share of um, mental health issues or battled with mental health but i think the story of people who live live with it every day and have lived experience within it are really just not being highlighted you know and i remember that there's a time on social media when mental health almost became like a trend you know where it's, it's really frustrating for people actually i'm not you know i'm not um demeaning anybody who really does? I'm sure people. There came a point, and I saw it a lot. You know, those those conversations about mental health, like maybe for a day on my, on like World Mental Health Day, and like uh, those other 300 days of the year, odd 
there's nothing. And I'm not saying that we should speak about it all the time. Speak about it as often enough that it doesn't sound taboo. Right? If you're going to have... It's like, if you're going to talk about something once and then never talk about it again... It's still taboo. It's still taboo, right? You've just you've just mentioned it. Tipped your toe in and you're like, oh yeah, I just want everyone to know that I'm really tolerable about this. Because that's for somebody that lives with it every single day, that's how it looks to me. Yeah, I remember when I came out with my schizophrenia video, my first one on YouTube... Um, one of the first things I said when I got into car on the way to my um, therapist meeting uh, is I will be the sacrificial lamb on this one. You know, I'm going to be the person that's going to start this conversation because I think a lot of us uh, Muslim kids or grew up in Muslim households, Arab households, you know, Asian households, we have lived in this bubble of keeping the only thing a secret. You know, I remember this time when I was a kid, my dad was like, you know, there was some really serious stuff happening at home. And I, I was a kid and I remember, hey, I remember, I think I told my friend something and I think my dad heard me tell my friend. And when she left, he's like, remember, anything that happens in this household stays in this household. You know, I heard you telling your friend all this kind of, no, you know, and he said in, in Baluchi this this saying and it basically means that don't don't take my trousers off in front of people and I that won't always stick with me and maybe I'm a little bit bitter about it you know in in a little way because mm. I just I was really frustrated because I was like nah man nah man how do you solve problems if you don't tell anybody if I don't tell anybody how the hell am I gonna solve this how are we gonna get past this thing I've been looking at my dad like nah bro you ain't got life together man what the hell <laughs> but it's weird how that kind of as we grow up as that ferments in our brain you learn it has a deeper meaning to what it is and I think that was the whole thing with you know conversation about mental health is if you have it you keep it a secret yeah because if you tell the public you're basically depending yourself you're airing your dirty laundry in public exactly you're taking you're taking off your clothes you're, you know you're you burying can't yourself do that. Mm-hmm. and i felt that it got to a point where i think you and me both kind of realized that you know especially from from your point of view when you were talking about it it was that whole thing of hey listen i'm from an asian community i've been diagnosed with it guess what i can still function a 24-hour day mm-hmm Literally. Yes, there'll be challenges. Yes, there'll be struggles. But guess what? I'm open about it. Yeah, you know, we, we discussed this, the fact that, you know, um, we'll get into my, my little story later on, but yeah. it gave me the courage to talk about it when I was diagnosed with it. Like when I was diagnosed, it was very, mm. like I kept it for my family, I kept it for my friends. Yeah. And then, you know, seeing more posts from yourself was like, I don't know why I'm keeping this a secret. Yeah. It doesn't get better. Yeah. But as we said, you know, you can control it or you can handle it. And one of the two is better than the other. Yeah, no, no, I I, I totally agree. And touching back on what I just said, and it just shows the generational trauma, you know, because who who did my dad learn that from to be like that, to keep everything hush hush? He learned it from his surroundings and his situation. And it just comes a point where it's like, hash it out. Let's just do this now. This is this is getting crazy. It's out of control. And you only understand each other when you have conversations Mm -hmm. and you discuss things and you move forward. And if you don't discuss it, like I said, how are you ever going to get to the bottom of it? Yeah. And it's just our our whole our whole communities and our cultures are so backward with it, man. Yeah. One of the topics that men's mental health in general, yeah, you really want to highlight, and I remember you saying that one of the focal points of, of the podcast was you wanted to highlight the the certain inter- certain like experiences that you've had, like you know your family members, including your dad, have had. Like, yeah. what kind of take have you got on that? Like from your own experiences, what have you seen? Do you know what it is? With my dad, I've always seen him do this thing, yeah, and I've seen it across the board, like I said, you know, in, in a, lot, a lot of men in my family, is this, like the other day, you know, I know I know my dad's been battling with it, with COVID and stuff, being at home with all of us. I, I was like, Dad, are you all right? He looked a bit down. He's like, me? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? Don't you worry yourself about me ever. I'm absolutely fine. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, bro, you look like you're about to break down in tears, man. I gave him a hug, I kissed him his forehead. I was like, all right, whenever you want to talk about anything, I'm always here to talk. And, uh, you know, even small things like that, the next day he's like, oh, you know, I'm really worried about this thing that's going on. And he, and he, and he came and told me about it. It's so important that we, that we um, have these systems in place for the men in our family. I think um, 
You know, it's embedded. Mm-hmm. It's sewn mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, with like cast iron thread. You know, you can't even. It's hard to get out. Yeah. But you have to have these uncomfortable moments. You know. Yeah, yeah, you too. You have to make your parents feel a little bit uncomfortable because with uncomfortability is growth, and that's the only way you come out of it. Even doing this podcast, like. I'm not super relaxed right now, you know. You, as you know, I'm trying to be uncomfortable to grow, so other people can grow, and we can all keep growing and blossoming. And yeah, man. But we all know that life begins at the end of our comfort zone. Like obviously, with your experience, like mm-hmm. you know, somebody that was you know um, diagnosed with, as, as you prefer to call it, me- mental illness yourself. Yeah. How has it been for you growing up with, like you know, as you said, you saw your father struggling with it. You may have other family members, like you know, close or not so close or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What is it as as somebody who has been diagnosed with something, seeing it in like from a male point of view, but it not being addressed? Ask me again. <laughs> so <laughs> with with mental illness like yeah. obviously with you being diagnosed you yeah. know what it's like yes. you know that you're you're dealing with it you've been diagnosed with it but then you see people in your family people that you know like quite close are, even if it's are battling me- yeah are battling but they're not doing anything about it how does that come across how do you kind of process that um to be honest you have to take it everything with a pinch of salt in in especially with your family when it comes to your family and, and noticing things that are mental getting a bit bad with someone's mental health or you know you're a bit concerned or worried is to always put your feelings across edging into the conversation a bit softly you know just just showing concern you know and you you can't force anybody to get help ultimately yeah. you know i'm having that issue a little bit with my dad i can't force him to get help for his mental health but i can just encourage i didn't know anything about men's mental health until i got diagnosed with anxiety and depression back in 2017 yeah. and mm-hmm. that was like what, I, what was the moment for you when you got diagnosed? What was your first initial thought? Because I remember mine, but I want to hear yours. Well, oh, n- sh- not about your diagnosis, about my own, by the way, yeah. Because if you have one about mine, I want to know. Um, <laughs> no, no, we don't pass judgment here. No, it was, I think for me, it was the bog standard as, again, cultural stigma. Yeah. Um, oh shit, I can't tell anyone about this. Mm. In, like that. And do you think that's directly um, related to your to your gender, to being a man? I think gender and culture. Okay, got you. I prior to me mm-hmm. like being diagnosed, I did not know anybody personally or in as an Asian male yeah. who was like I suffer anxiety and depression. Mm. And if they did, it wasn't spoken about openly. Yeah, it was a passing message of support when there was a specific day. Hey, mm. you know, it's uh, mental well, uh, men's mental wellness awareness month or week or day or whatever it is. I'm going to show my support by putting it on social media. Yeah, like reposting a post or that was it. Yeah. And it was that one day and nothing else. And mm. then for me, it was like, I remember leave. I remember that I was sitting at the doctor's surgery and I was just like, you know, I was just feeling weird. I was feeling tired all the time. And he took my blood pressure and my heart was racing. Mm. Like it was. Got you. Yeah. He was like, did, did you like run here or something? I was like, no, I drove. Mm. Like there was no reason why my heart rate should have been that high. Mm. And he had conversations with me. We, you know, we kind of went into it. And he was like, yeah, you, I, 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 I'm going to have to diagnose you with anxiety and depression. And you hear the word separately. Yeah. You know, either somebody's anxious it's or they're depressed. And then when you merge those two words together. Double whammy. When I put my backpack on and left there, it was like I was carrying Mount Everest on my shoulders. Because I was like, now it has a name. Now yeah. I know what it is. It's even heavier. Hmm. You know, it, and I remember I just went home. And it was just like everything was just there, yeah. and it was constant. And it was like, I think there was there was 
I was on antidepressants and I was like, I don't want to take them because I've had like issues with medication in the past as yeah. well. Um, and it was that constant battle for me. I was like, no, I can't be like this because I'm Asian and I'm a man. Mm. I'm not allowed to be like this. I'm Asian and I'm a man and we we're, we're, we don't we don't believe in this. Yeah. It was weird that I thought it was a belief. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was like it was it was it, it went past everything. It went more to like beliefs and culture and religion. Mm. And then it got to a point where I was like, but why am I hiding from this? It yeah. took a while. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like you know the, the the diagnosis came in like March and I was talking about it in November. Yeah. You know, it took a long, slow process. I remember when I spoke to my family about it. My mom asked me this question. I used this thought. They were like what's wrong with you tell me what i can do to make it better and i just remember sitting there i was on the sofa and i just said to my mom i was like mom if i knew i'd tell you mm. but if i don't know what it is because i've never been here before i can't tell you anything yeah and somebody posted this beautiful picture on social media and you know how you certain things just find you at the right time yeah it was like a massive scribble on a sheet of paper mm. and the caption said when somebody asks you what's wrong while you have anxiety try it try explaining this picture to them mm. and that's what it was for me you know, and it, it took a while. Like there were days of just, you know, n like having insomnia was one thing, but then yeah. having insomnia with anxiety and depression was just like, it was a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. You know, I was awake when everyone was asleep and I was trying to sleep when everyone was awake. Mm. And it messes your life up. Like I... Your body clock just goes off white. Yeah. Like I didn't take it. Like even myself, like personally, like I, I didn't care what I looked like. Mm. I spent most of my day in my PJs because I was off work. I grew my my hair had grown like I literally like I'm I shaved my hair on a regular basis but like my hair had grown out yeah I was being forced out of the house by my family and I was like I don't want to go because I don't like being in crowds with people yeah like, everything felt like more of a chore like even when I remember one day I had to go um, we went to visit my sister um my niece and my nephew and any other day that was like that's a treat yeah during that period it was like I have to leave the house mm. I have to get out of my comfort zone I have to go somewhere and then I have to put have to on that see big people. smile. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you, mate. It's put on that mask. I was quite fortunate that at the time I was diagnosed and when I came out by it, more and more was coming out about men's mental health because, you know, there was, I think there was things happening in TV shows. There was like more people being vocal about it as like, you know, athletes and celebrities and stuff like that. I think it was Tyson Fury that kind of came out when he started talking about, mm. you know, how it affected him and how it kind of changed him. And that's when it became like, you know, when you kind of see a Goliath. Yeah. So it's of, such a strong figure of a man, isn't it? Yeah. And then it's just yeah. like, this is what it did to me. Yeah. And that's what... And His, his journey's incredible as well. Oh, his journey's fantastic. His journey's and so incredible. Just everything that he's he's done, you know, just, mm. just being that kind of humble person. Mm. And it kind of makes... I think for a guy, it kind of speaks you on a certain level where it's just like, well, hey, look at him. That's one of the world champs. Yeah. And it, it knocked him down. And I think being able to have that conversation like i'd shy away about it i think i spoke to you like when people ask me how i was with anxiety and depression i'm like yeah i'm good how are you yeah, yeah no honestly see like no i've known you a long time and every time i'd see you you'd always be like i'm great i'm great i'm great i'm great yeah i'm cool i'm cool it reminds me of actually a little bit of my dad you know yeah like you know but it's it's a it's a toxic male yeah. thing mm -hmm. tell everyone you're okay because if you don't people expose your weaknesses but you you learn to accept it yeah you know and again i can't t i'm i'm gonna hands up like 2017 what three years into it now mm -hmm. I, I can't handle my anxiety. I can't handle my depression. But I'm better at getting a grasp on it now mm -hmm. than I was. And I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. Yep. And it will happen and it will happen. But for me, that was one of the biggest things. Like when I'd come out about it, I think I didn't anticipate it. And my brother actually, Shabs, was like to me, do you know that once you come out about this, you can't really come back? 
Mm. You know, and he wasn't saying it in a way like don't do it. Mm. He was just literally warning me as the baby sister, like you know, it's gonna come. Yeah, there's gonna be people that don't agree with you. Yeah, that don't that don't appreciate that don't appreciate mental health. They don't really care about it, and they think it's all in your head. Yeah, you know. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready, but I was I don't think I was actually. Because you 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 hold people to higher caliber of respect. You really don't think the world is that cruel until you come out oh, with yeah. a with a mental health problem. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, it's weird because. It's funny, your mental health shows you other people's true colours as much as your own. Honestly, it's uh, that is the, that is the actual fact. It shows you, and I think you have a different level of introspect when you go through it yourself. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's, from yourself, personal experience. Yes. What is one thing you think we could all do to break down the the negative stereotypes, boundaries, and barriers of mental health in general, and you know, include like men's mental health in that. I think, honestly, we need to start magnifying the voices of people with lived experience of mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, um, doctors and everything are great and psychiatrists and all these kinds of things are great. But the mo- when we start magnifying and giving importance to the people that actually live with mental wellness, mm-hmm. for me, that's the key point. Yeah. That's really the key point is, um, for example, if you're if you're a family member looking and seeking advice for a friend or whatever, or a family member, ex- you know, Listen and and find out and speak to people who live with these things. And there are people on on the internet, social media that are talking about these things with lived experience. They're out there. They're not getting the same traction that bigger platforms are getting. That are that are I and I hate to say this and pussyfooting around mental health. You know they're pussyfooting. A lot of I I go on a lot of platforms like oh yeah you know oh, I just had to it's, and I don't I mean I'm not I'm not being a dick. Yeah, I'm not being a dick when I say this. It's like sometimes you just see it. And it's just airy fairy vision. Yeah. It's a romanticized picture of mental health. There's actually a great K drama that one of my friends um, introduced me to. It's called uh, "It's Co- It's Okay Not to Be Okay." It's brilliant. I you know what that shout out to my friend Shumi who got me into that show. She she saw it. It's like Sam, you're gonna love this because it's it's about mental health and it's not. It's not bullshit, man. That's what she said to me. She says, it's as straight as it gets. You know, the main character has um, antisocial personality disorder, a.k.a. psychopathy. And we see a very humanized image of the main character, and it's beautiful. And I think everyone should watch it. And, yeah, it's it's about living. It's about speaking and getting to know people with lived experience. I think I think we, we'll, we'll come to a close on, on, on that topic in general. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to... As much as as much as you're gonna hate this, I'm gonna focus the limelight on you because the <laughs> the next topic we're kind of looking at is there's a point, Sammy, where you were quite your platform on social media was quite and still is quite big, and you were very proactive. You know, seeing your posts, following you, there was always something going on with like um, MUAs. You know, you were basically going and seeing different clients, teaching followers, like you know. But then it kind of there was, for lack of a better phrase, a drastic stop. Yeah, you know, you kind of just you pulled away from it, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, you and I have had a discussion about this away from from the podcast. But I think a lot of people want to know, and they do still ask you, like, why the sudden pull away? Where did you go? Like, you know, mm. what happened to to Sammy MUA? Mm. You know what it is, yeah. Like, I actually had decided that I wanted to take a break in being a makeup artist and just take a a career change, and that was something I had actually thought about well before. I had decided to like retire the whole makeup thing. As much as I love doing makeup, I just felt like it wasn't challenging enough. You know, I needed something that was a passion, which is my art, you know. 
I have got so what my what was my makeup page Samia Mue is now MIA Bellucci. Yep. And I just post up all my art there, and um, I have my other account is perfectly flawed. Yep. That's why I do all like all my writing and stuff like that. And they were the two things I really wanted to push in terms of like career and like my family. I think probably think I'm a bit crazy for doing that because it was like, why would you leave like essentially all that money? For something that it's so it's really like touch and go you never really know when you're gonna you're really living that poor artist creative lifestyle <laughs> so struggling, like, struggling artist life yeah yeah that struggling artist life and i think my mom was like why would you want to do this like your makeup's really good but i just yeah i mm, i just want to come away from all of that and that was a big reason and um i'd actually finally come out of like an abusive relationship oh it was an abusive relationship that obviously you being my mate you knew about but it wasn't something that my followers yeah or anybody on my social media even knew about this relationship at all because I never like previewed it online, you know? Yeah, and I just think I needed time to just live. Didn't want to do it no more. I didn't want to be on the platform. Like social media can be really ugly sometimes, you know? And I've told you, like I get some really hurtful, hurtful DMs and you rise above it, of course. I just felt like at that time I didn't need it and I needed to come away and uh, yeah, just come back and be a bit more of my authentic self. And I feel like being in the makeup world, I got a little bit lost sure. in the source, you know, you know, the t- the, that phrase lost yeah. in the source. I got really lost in it and I felt like I was losing a part of my true personality, just becoming like this Insta clone, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Just like, just, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I didn't think it represented me. The makeup industry didn't re- represent who I was as a person. And it just, yeah. And that was a step away. That was kind of that when you just it. kind of hit reset. And you, know, you mentioned about the art and obviously the art being something that you, you know, you're, you're actively doing, you're getting it out on your channels mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, you know, many could say that this, what we're doing now is a form of art as well. Yeah. So sticking with this, like what's going to happen from here? Like what's the journey that you've envisioned for this? What is, what is the ancient podcast going to be all about or is all about? The ancient podcast is really just a place to speak to people that have lived experience with um with mental health you know pe- uh, people that just freeing up the conversation about mental health like it's a place where you can say whatever you want ain't shit ain't nobody shit to tell you what you can and can't say here you know and that's the whole premise behind the name um you know it's just yeah none of none of it ain't shit man no one's opinion is shit like it's you you matter and it's just giving a voice to people to spit their truth come and unburden yourself if you want to or have a conversation that you really want to have ask questions free up the conversation because i feel like we live in a world where everything is so pc man like it's hard as well for some people of course outside of you know not being arrogant or ignorant or anything like that it's just looking at mental health i've always thought if we had just more honest conversations more like this is really how it was and this is how it is Mm. not romanticizing it not sugarcoating it and that's what the Ain't Shit podcast is about. It's just going to be a platform for you to have people on here, just be able to speak, because you gave me the platform to do earlier runs, so mm-hmm. like my mental wellness, my my journey through like anxiety and depression. Yeah. Or essentially what you're saying is this is going to be a place where people are going to be able to come in and just talk without no having shame. to worry about sh- shame or filter or just, you know, any any backlash, because it's, it's a controlled environment, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as great as we said Instagram lives are, it's... It, you you digress a lot yeah yeah you, know? they, you do you do and you get caught up talking about yourself and yeah. you know i think it just gives mo- people a moment and having that honest conversation which i'm happy to have 
with anybody. So, yeah, that's it, guys. Anyone wants to come in and have a chat or if you guys ever have any questions um, that you want to pose to me to discuss, I'm happy to do that. It's just about, yeah. I'm going to get the ball rolling and ask you a question that I didn't tell you about. Cool. I'm going to put you on the spot today. <laughs> cool. So we've spoken about the journey of the podcast. Yeah. What about your journey? Where is this going to be taking you? What's your What's your goal for the outcome of this podcast that's not just a podcast? So what's Like a personal goal? Yeah. I've just literally sprang this on her. So you know what? I think a personal goal for me is uh, regaining my confidence. Yeah, overcoming that confidence I lost in my relationship. You know, I, I put I put that to the forefront a lot. So for me, and that was a long relationship that spread over like a decade and a bit. <laughs> so for me, it's like I'm building a whole new life for myself. And um, yeah, just, just having a voice again. Because when you're in those kind of situations, your voice and your opinion and stuff gets quashed. And um, adds to why I took a break on social media. I was like, you know what, this is something in my actual life that's now affecting my career. So yeah, it really did. It knocked me. Not for not me for six. Like, yeah. proper took me off, and but I'm back and I'm better and uh, stronger, yeah, stronger than ever. Try me now. <laughs> Obviously, like we said, you're gonna have other people coming mm. onto the show, mm. um, and you know, there's gonna be different segments. I think you're gonna be working on throughout the process. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing that you're gonna need to do now is for a lot of the people that are listening to this for the first time, mm-hmm. you're gonna need to give out your social handles, aren't you? You're gonna need to tell people where to follow <laughs> you and where to find you. For the socials, so my social media, I think some people find it a bit difficult to navigate because I have two usernames, two accounts, and I do, they're both for different reasons, I guess. So for the art, odd social life bits and bobs, uh, MIA Belushi, um, any sort of art project that you that you encounter will be from there, and Perfectly Flawed, different forms of art, writing, podcast, um, a more deeper conversation, you can find me at Perfectly Flawed, and for the art MIA Bellucci. And so obviously if people want to ask questions for the next podcast, mm-hmm. you know, once they've listened to this one, what's the best way for them to kind of send you questions? Is Perfectly gonna... flawed. Just DM me, man. Throw me throw me a DM. I read them every Monday. So, yeah. That's usually when I get a reply as well on yeah. a Monday. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty anti. I think a lot of people don't know that about me. I don't. I'm the friend that doesn't text back. And then I text back like three days later, like, hey, man, so busy. To be fair, you've gotten better this year. It was my New Year's resolution. And you've 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 shocked me. Listen, people can change, you know. I, I see it. <laughs> Trust me, I've been like, whoa, it's, it's a reply. She's read the last one. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pop moment there. You know, you've, yeah. you've kind of, you've, you've taken us onto the, the journey of the world that, you know, you were part of, that you're now in and mm-hmm. where you want to go. I'm navigating it. It's like I ain't got a map. I've got a compass and I'm making my way through. You know, everyone's like, how the hell can you do this? I'm like, do you know what? I don't know, man, but I'm, I don't really, I'm not really fearing that part of it. I'm just want to do it. I've always wanted to do it. I think people come to your lives, they house you questions, they get advice from you. Mm. Obviously, we haven't got something that we're catering that much to. Like in a live, you'll have a general topic, you'll ask certain questions. But if you could leave the people that have followed you on your journey mm. from, you know, Sammy MUA to Perfectly Flawed to... Um, hey, there's some people that are still following me from Keek. I don't know if you remember what Keek is. I remember what Keek was. It was the original Vine, wasn't it? Is there a message you want or a bit of advice that you want to give these people that have kind of just as a bit of a sign-off? Um, you know what? You have to just... Uh, you know what? you got to keep going. You know, there's. I'm writing a poem. Part of the poem and it's like, it's just calamity after calamity. Life is just that. It's going to keep happening. Don't assume that you. Well, once you're having a happy moment, that's it. You've cut a break. 
and you're swimming off into the sunset. No, because the ocean has sharks. Do you get me? Stay on your toes. Never give up. Keep going. And don't let anybody tell you shit because they ain't shit. Boom, mic drop. I think she dropped the mic and I think that's it. So <laughs> episode one done. Episode one done. On it's going to be out on the 6th of October and we'll be doing them fortnightly from there on. Because there is so much more that you're going to learn. and Come down the rabbit's hole. It's great. Absolutely. Um, We've got lots of tea. <laughs> I, yeah, I see what you've done you done there. That was that was funny. That was I told cool. you there was going to be a lot of bad jokes in this podcast that were going to come from me. That was um, a good one. But I think you've done it. That's it. So hey I think guys. All that needs to be said is thank you for listening to the Ain't Shit Podcast. <laughs>